1: Does President Biden believe Governor Cuomo
0: or Charlotte Bennett? Well, first, President Biden has been consistent, that he believes
1: that every woman should be heard, should be treated with respect and with dignity. So does President Biden still believe what candidate Biden said, that the essence of these allegations are real?
0: Of course, Dana. He believes, that's why I said, he believes that every woman who comes forward should be treated with dignity and respect. They should be uh, able to tell their story. Hello,
3: CPEC. Do you miss me yet? Do you miss me? It is far from being over.
4: You have to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like... It's not just when you come, like, it's it's how hard you come. Uh, are you coming when the dribble is dead? Are you coming when he gets into his shooting
5: motion? Okay, relax. Relax. That is actually just audio, the play-by-play um, of, <laughs> of of a basketball game from today. I realize that Seth, I, I don't know how, how she managed to get through uh, saying what she said without somebody, without it... Without any realization that she was saying uh, something that could possibly be considered double entendre, a really a really powerful few seconds of audio. That's a basketball game. They're showing a replay of a of a you know somebody getting in the paint and getting a basket. Obviously, I don't know anything about basketball. That is Doris Burke. the The uh, game was the Bucks and the Clippers, and uh, yes, that was the analysis. I don't. This is not me. Who thinks this is funny, by the way? This is Alice Shattuck who thought that was funny. I condemned it. I condemn her. That's why I've suspended her for at least the first half of the show uh, because she thought that was funny. And and I'm here to make a stand for uh, civil behavior and mature behavior. And uh, I do not think this is funny. I condemn this once again. I uh, wholly condemn this and Alice Shattuck.
4: You have to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like, it's not just when you come. Like, it's it's how hard you come. Uh, are you coming when the dribble is dead? Are you coming when he gets into a shooting motion?
5: Oh, Lord. So there you go, Doris Burke. Thank you so much. All right. It was today the return of Donald Trump. If you're wondering, actually, Alice Atticus is actually trying to put our child to bed. The two-year-old. <clears throat> she's been trying to put him to bed now for two hours. He is back there, and he will not go to bed. He and, he and I need. I just asked her to set up the video camera, and she did. And he was in here. He's just raising hell. He is a. It's a challenging period. I think it's fair to say, <clears throat> with our two-year-old. He is funny, <clears throat> but he is a menace. He is in full menace mode he is just he just keeps breaking stuff constantly he just ripped apart the you can't see it from here but i I took a picture actually I'll send a picture out on the burn barrel podcast Twitter too, of him in the studio. He ripped the light down that's up up there the thing that's that's uh shining illuminating me right now and uh it's just one of those deals if you don't have kids then uh, keep the status quo. It's no no reason. There's plenty of populations of kids on Earth. You could just have some of mine. Anyway. So the return of Trump it was tonight. That's why we're so late tonight, because Trump was at CPAC down in Florida, in Orlando, that we someplace where we wanted to go, but we just weren't able to make it happen. There's so much happening now in both my, my job, by the way, which is at the Lowell Sun, and uh, our lives, there's too many moving parts. I'm sure there are for you. There's just, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on. If you did go, let us know though what you thought of it. We went in 2015 when Trump made an appearance there to kick off his campaign, or at least you know sniff out the field. And uh, at that point, it was a blast. It was a blast. And my wife and we took the kids. We went down with Boston with the Boston Herald Radio at that point, and. And our kids were not well-behaved. They were running down. But at that, at that point, we only had two, I think. And they were running down the radio row. I remember, like, screaming and laughing, playing each other right past Sean Hannity's booth. They were screaming to the point where they were definitely featured on many national syndicated talk shows. Uh, you know, Reluctantly for those stations because they just wouldn't uh, behave themselves. But it was fun. I got into an elevator and in walked Sarah Palin with about 28... Uh, with about 28 uh, security people, I mean, she was definitely, politics has definitely beat her up. She looked lovely, but but I'm just saying that she was, she was, there's a certain weariness. Uh, if you're somebody like that, who's really a nice person, who has to be moving around with security details, et cetera, in these circles, I just, it, it, I just don't think that's what she... That's not really what she wants to be doing. Same with Bernie Sanders. He 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 travels and traveled in an old Subaru, etc. But Seepak was won in 2015. Rand Paul was the big winner then. I wrote a bunch of columns for the Herald at that point, really slamming. I I I uh I gave big props to Scott Walker of Wisconsin. I slammed Trump in a column that he, he was used that it got to him. And he was happy to talk about it Um, and a couple of columns in Trump. And uh, let's see, libertarianism was really in at that time. And I think the takeaway of 2015 was that the CPAC was very pro-weed. I did talk to Trump there. I kind of uh, snuck into a function room where he was talking to a bunch of young people, Boy Scouts or something like that. And he was really personable to them. And I just had a, a, a joke question. for It wasn't a joke question, but I said, what do you think about the possibility of a President Warren? And he looked at me, he did one of these, and then looked away like he was disgusted. And I wrote something off of that, too. But uh, that was my first, I guess that was my only face-to-face meeting with him. But he was definitely personable. But when he stormed through Radio Row, he had his security people, back up, back up. You know, There was a big show when he was walking through, like a wrestler entourage, kind of. So, but Trump is back at uh, CPAC today and he he looks good. looks like he lost a little bit of weight. He is, the, the first, he spoke for, geez, how long? I've got the audio in here somewhere. Let me try to see if I can see how long. He spoke for more than I an mean, hour. It, it felt like two hours, an hour and a half or whatever. It was a long time, uh, a long, long time. The first 40 minutes was was good. It, it was, he was establishing the Republican platform, and outlining criticisms of Biden and he was right on point. He was right where he should have been with in the first 40 minutes. Where he went off course of course is when he started to he would sidetrack, he would take exits off and talk about how he won the election and I am good with that. I am I do not need to hear this stuff. But what he said his criticisms of Biden and the way the Democrats the direction the Democrats are taking the country were spot on, and I was actually very impressed with how cogent his messaging was. And maybe it's from watching Biden struggle a little bit on stage, but but Trump, it, 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 that happens sometimes. Trump, after taking some time off, is much more cogent on message. Certainly he had a teleprompter, he did go off it a couple of times, but the the even just the content of the speech was very sound. It was very conservative. A couple of points I think it diverted a little bit. He, with Trumpism, it's Trumpism. So he touted uh, his um, tariffs, which you know, I, would, I am not a huge fan of, and a couple of other things. But there's a reason why this guy got 75 million votes. And the people at CPAC were certainly thrilled to see him.
3: Hello, CPAC. Do you miss me yet? Do you miss me A lot of things going on to so many wonderful friends, conservatives and fellow citizens in this room and all across our country. I stand before you today to declare that the incredible journey we begun together, we went through a journey like nobody else. There's never been a journey like it. There's never been a journey so successful. We began it together four years ago, and it is far from being over,
5: so that's what they want to hear—that it's far from over. In what form will that take? Will he be a kingmaker? Will he be the standard bearer who can uh, decide the path of, of of Republican policy going forward, or will he just be—and he's certain we know he certainly will be—will he be the big guns shooting at Democrats and the Bidens? And the uh, Biden administration, and we know that. And it's good to hear him do that. It's good to hear him go after Biden and make policy predictions, because Biden's going to fall into a lot of these sand traps. He already is. There's already problems. We've got some. I've got some. Uh, socking a little bit later. Already. So the more Trump can make these predictions uh, about the faultiness of the ball uh, of the Biden administration. And the more they come true, uh, the more it will it reinvigorate the party. Now, I do not want him to be the guy in 2024. We've had Trump. That was good. The first three years were good. And I was uh, we got some stuff done. It was a great way to blow up the media. Of course, they made a lot of money while he was blowing them up. But to expose them, it was a good way to show people to, mar- to let people marinate in the day-to-day of politics, I hope that some of them are continuing to do it under Biden so that they can see and contrast what was going on rather than just jump into the, uh, the, to the voyeurism of uh, polit- political um, uh, junkieism in 2016 and not having any reference point, letting the media tell them how to feel So back in 2016, when Sean Spicer was spinning, the media told him that they should be offended, and uh, this was not a norm because Sean Spicer was lying to them. Well, hopefully, if they're still watching, they're watching Jen Psaki now, and you're starting to see a pattern here. All right, more Trump Um, smart in Florida gives a shout out to a friend who has passed.
3: Also, want to pay my love and respect to the great Rush Limbaugh. who is watching closely and smiling down on us. He's watching, and he's loving it, and he loves Catherine. Catherine, thank you for being here. So great. Thank you, Catherine. He loved you, Catherine, I will tell you that. So fantastic. Thank you, Catherine, very much.
5: I like that he's thanking her. But that is really, that's classic Trump. That's what he wants to be. He's a back-slapping... hospitality guy you know he wants to be uh, giving tributes and wants to be uh calling out people and uh you you know shouting out people in the audience that's that's his i was personally that's his personal nature i think um let's see he lays out the uh what the landscape should look like for republicans for the next four years as far as priorities go
2: for the
3: next four years the brave republicans in this room will be at the heart of the effort to oppose the radical Democrats, the fake news media, and their toxic cancel culture. Something new to our ears. Cancel culture. And I want you to know that I'm going to continue to fight right by your side. We will do what we've done right from the beginning, which is to win.
5: That is great. Owning the GOP needs to own. The Republican Party needs to own this idea of cancel culture, the idea of stifling speech that they don't agree with, the idea of ending careers and bullying and pushing businesses around uh, because they don't believe in the messaging or what the businesses embrace culturally or politically. Cancel culture is important. It's also a way to grow the party because a lot of people being canceled are not just Republicans or conservatives. There are a lot of liberals being canceled. Look at all the growth of Substack is a, is really an indication of many of these liberal voices who have been jettisoned or or have uh, have taken the emergency pod and uh, flown out right out of the mothership of whatever liberal organization they have to strike out on their own because they're sick of being bullied in newsrooms, sick of being bullied. By colleagues and staffers or, or editors, and they've had enough. So cancel culture. If if the GOP can be the party against cancel culture, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. These are stories we should keep on telling the canceling stories, and it, it's something that has not subsided. It's not going to subside. This is a this is a battle of ideas, and the ultra progressives, and you know socialist democrats and Marxists or whatever they are they do not want speech allowed that they disagree with They, they do not want diversity of speech they will use uh they will suggest that diverse speech your speech my speech is dangerous and is violence you can't have violence that should be made illegal and if it's not made illegal through legislation they will make it Culturally illegal through intimidation of businesses and private citizens, and it's happening. This is that by now. This is no the whole really genesis of the the um the dark web. What is it called? Is it the IDW Independent Dark Web? What does I stand for? Independent. I forgot what I stood for. The whole genesis of that dark web is really. This is a flotsam uh, of of folks who have been cast out of traditional platforms because of speaking their mind the truth, intellectually honest things. And um, so that is very good. Cancel Culture GOP. We like that keep that right now he made some news if you thought that you were going to have to switch party affiliations you probably are not we're not
3: starting new parties you know they kept saying he's going to start a brand new party we have the republican party it's going to unite and be stronger than ever before i am not starting a new party that was fake news fake news no Wouldn't that be brilliant? Let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win. No, we're not interested in that.
5: He gets it and he gets that half of his job is going to be to convince you that Biden doesn't get it.
3: We all knew that the Biden administration was going to be bad, but none of us even imagined just how bad they would be and how far left they would go. He never talked about this. We would have those wonderful debates. He would never talk about this. We didn't know what the hell he was talking about, actually. <laughs> His campaign was all lies. talked about energy. I thought, I said, you know, this guy, actually, he's okay with energy. He wasn't okay with energy. He wants to put you all out of business. He's not okay with energy. He wants windmills, the windmills. <laughs> the windmills that don't work when you need them. Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. That's true.
5: One well, moment, I bring you Alice Shattuck. Alice, good evening.
6: Hello. It's good to be here.
5: It's nice to have you. How did that go? <laughs> only two and a half hours to, to get him to sleep? Yes.
6: Yes. Two and a half hours. It was, uh, we're in kind of a battle about bedtimes, but um, it has been going better this week. In fact, one night he put himself to bed on his own, which was pretty exciting. Thanks to daddy um but we got a little off yesterday because um you know someone someone came over for dinner and dinner ran late and then bedtime was out so we're
5: yeah we blew it out last night unfortunately it was uh, my brother came up the neighbor came over there was food there i didn't certainly have any drinks but there were drinks around
6: Mm-hmm. and uh yeah bedtime didn't and, happen at the right time. And
5: uh somebody brought some expensive uh, was that bourbon what was
6: whiskey. that? Whiskey your
5: brother brought whiskey i don't Don't know. out him Alice? What? Don't uh, no your brother brought whiskey. Um yeah some expensive whiskey and um it didn't it didn't last very long. could uh-huh. just say All right. So uh, oh, and we had to, we, bad news, unfortunately, we had that we missed our friend Toast for Friday night mm-hmm. because, God, we're not allowed My, to say, I assume. Don't say. No, we,
6: she said we could say.
5: But she did, okay. Okay, go ahead. She
6: said we could say. My sister was supposed to babysit, um, but she got a sort of a headache and a, a sore throat went, uh, Thursday night. So she was supposed to babysit Friday night. So Friday morning, she went and took a rapid COVID test, and it was positive. Hooray! So she has COVID, and um, so but, she and babysit. probably
5: the fashionable new New York strain.
6: Yes, because she had been in New York, and she said in the train on the way back, somebody was coughing in the train compartment, and she switched compartments, but apparently not fast enough. So. Comp-
5: did she take the fast decella or no? I am not sure. I she hope did. she did. I don't. I don't understand. You gotta take these out. Although it's scary as hell. Have you ever taken it? Mm-hmm. It's you know ever notice that if you're in the wrong seat, I can get vertigo by watching the world go by so <laughs> oh, sorry. World go by so I fast. Know, I felt uh, half uh, <laughs> sick on that thing before. But so we missed our friend Toast. Follow Toast on Twitter. Mm-hmm. She's also a good writer and uh and a beautiful person really and because she rides horses and has class and all mm-hmm. those so things. So we were
6: gonna go see her new really cool fire pit outside, but it was not to be. Because the babysitter had COVID. I'm glad she did not come up anyway, because that would have been annoying.
5: I know. What? Wait a second. We would have
6: sister? had to, well, we would have had to quarantine then.
5: Oh, are we not quarantined? I'd still go to the store, right? No, you couldn't then. You can't go to the store?
6: If you're exposed to somebody who's known to be positive, you have to wait until you get the test result.
5: This is what I need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm fat, if you didn't know Alice, believe mm-hmm. it or not. I'm wearing a black t-shirt, so it's probably hard for you to tell. Yep. Yeah. And I don't move fast um, because of that and my my knee injury, which actually today I was able to walk through. Mm -hmm. But I don't walk at a sloth pace through the aisles of supermarkets. Mm -hmm. That's true. Today was sloth pace day at supermarkets. And, of course, now the aisles are just one way because of COVID. Right. And so going through the – it was the um, olive oil aisle – I was behind a woman, and I knew that this was going to be a trouble because she was leaned over on her cart, so she was just kind of taking her time, using it for support, and walking. This is not a particularly elderly woman, mm-hmm. and it took me to go, I needed to go 43 feet up the aisle to the olive oil. And, oh,
6: no, this wasn't recording. Oh, was it not? How was it not? Did I start it earlier?
5: Have a Tom Shattuck-like tantrum.
6: No, I don't have tantrums, but I'll start recording that. Um, video now. Why wasn't it recording?
5: I don't know. But I'm I'm still recording.
6: It did start. How long did it go? One eleven seconds. Cyril must have hit it before he left the room. Oh,
5: so typical. Well, you can just put a static photo in there or something, right? Until it goes, yeah. Dang.
6: That is really annoying. I'm he's been testing me.
5: I know. Time. We discussed this. We discussed this. Uh, but it, let me get back to my story. Mm-hmm. So it took me forty three minutes to walk it took me no no. Almost an hour to get to walk forty feet to the olive oil mm-hmm. because some person was going really slow in the in the aisle mm-hmm. and uh, during that time I contemplated suicide obviously I wished that I had a grenade that I could just mm-hmm. roll it out in front of her and uh, neutralize the this uh this uh <clears throat> um tango or whatever you call it um but I need people to not be Remember we used to talk about that, slow and in the way? Mm -hmm. Slow is terrible. In the way is terrible. With these one-way aisles, people are now slow and in the way. And that is no good because it sucks life out of in units of time Mm -hmm. which are ever dwindling out of Tom Shattuck. I'm not getting the measure of empathy I would usually get from you (laughs) because your two-year-old son, who's destroyed most of your day today, screwed up the video. But maybe tomorrow you'll come back, hat in hand, and give me the proper amount of empathy. Until then, let's get back to Trump at CPAC.
3: (laughs) Already the Biden administration has proven that they are anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-borders, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. In just one short month, we have gone from America first to America last. You think about it, right? America last.
5: All good messaging, GOP, and Mm -hmm. all true. Keep it up. And remember, Trump also didn't forget what got him here.
3: By recklessly eliminating our border, security measures, controls, all of the things that we put into place... Joe Biden has triggered a massive flood of illegal immigration into our country, the likes of which we have never seen before. They're coming up by the tens of thousands. They're all coming to take advantage of the things that he said that's luring everybody to come to America. And we're one country. We can't afford the problems of the world as much as we'd love to. We'd love to help, but we can't do that. So they're all coming because of promises and foolish words. Perhaps worst of all, Joe Biden's decision to cancel border security has single-handedly launched a youth migrant crisis that is enriching child smugglers, vicious criminal cartels, and some of the most evil people on the planet. You see it every day. Just turn on the news. You'll see it every day.
5: Not bad. Mm-hmm. That is a big conservative issue. It continues to be an issue. For Trump to get, right. to, for Trump to say those words means that the media will report on this, and he's going to attract these Sauron's eye or whatever it is of attention onto the border, which politically right now you want because the Biden administration is bungling mm-hmm. things at the border or handling things at the border as good as you can without a Congress to make laws. And, um, it, and as good as you can when you've incentivized people to come to the country illegally.
6: Right. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, there... Out of space, all of a sudden, you know, they had the space when Trump was there somehow miraculously for everybody, and Biden didn't shut anything down when he got there. So the fact that they're having to reopen facilities that have been closed shows that there's more people here now than there had been, obviously. So they're getting the message from the Biden administration to come here, whether they're saying it out loud exactly in those words or not. And um, you know, they're creating the crisis that they now have to deal with. And Trump's absolutely right about that. He should absolutely continue on that. It's the same thing, like, with during the Obama administration, there was, like, the big Syrian refugee crisis, too. A crisis that he created with his foreign policy, and then it became a thing, well, like, America has to take in all the Syrian refugees. Where did the Syrian refugee problem go under Trump? It stopped because Trump's foreign policy didn't involve making a bunch of Syrian refugees, you know? So that's... That's the difference. When your policy creates the problem and now, you know, people don't like your suggested solution in the problem at the border, for example, or with the refugee crisis, which always seems to end up being America just has to take in everybody, no questions asked 100 percent of the time with zero, you know, background checks or anything that then, you know, then that's when you lose people because you created the problem and your only proposed solution is untenable for every for normal people,
5: you know, and it's wholly cynical po- politics. Mm-hmm. And you've created the problem, and there are these little kids now who live in uh, containers, right? You know, and it, you know, it's in it, but it's all just to win the election, which is where our politics mm-hmm. are right now. So, I don't want to hear that Trump's you know, destroying norms is a bad thing, the norms are a bad thing. The norms of our politics are disgusting.
3: Under the new administration, catch and release has been restored. Can you imagine? We work so hard. Catch, you know what that is, you catch them, you take their name. They may be killers, they may be rapists, they may be drug smugglers. You take their name and you release them into our country. We did the opposite. We not only didn't release them, we had them brought back to their country illegal immigrants are now being apprehended and released along the entire southern border just the opposite of what it was two months ago they weren't coming because they couldn't get in once they think they can get in they're coming and they are coming at levels that you haven't even seen yet by the hundreds of thousands by the millions they'll be coming
5: they're coming alice they're coming also good and he is point. right about that
6: yeah the, the the more Biden promises amnesty and immigration reform and benefits and they try and push free health care and everything else, the more people are going to come. Because that was the thing in 2014 with Obama, too, is that people felt he was going to do amnesty before he left office. And, um, and, and you know, people just brought all these kids. And it it's not uh an appropriate way to run an immigration system. I can't think of any other country in the world that operates remotely that way. I remember it was kind of funny when Trump first took office and there were all these people talking about moving to Canada. And um, when they were talking about moving to Canada, they were discovering that like it's actually really hard to immigrate to Canada. That there's like that all true? kinds of rules. Yeah, it's is like difficult true? to immigrate to Canada. For one thing, among other things, they don't take disabled people because they have free healthcare. So like you can't just as a disabled person like move to Canada. But they they are very strict with the rules to immigrate to Canada, and people couldn't believe it. It's much stricter than the Mexican border is with the U.S. It's like crazy. I mean, no country on earth operates this way, where we just don't do anything about people coming in at the border. No, it's true.
5: It's so true just (laughs) how lenient our immigration system is, including compared to countries that liberals love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In uh, Northern Europe, the countries Mm -hmm. we're supposed to, the semi-socialist countries we are supposed to model ourselves after all the time. Did you realize that I inherited properties? My grandmother owned a house and cottage in Canada. Mm Mm-hmm.
6: I didn't know about this. And then
5: since we, for one reason or another...
6: In Lenoxville? or Lenoxville, exactly. Lenoxville. We yeah. had
5: we had to sell the properties. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, my brother, and myself all got uh, money. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you how much the Canadian government took? A lot. I right? Half. Mm-hmm. They got to have... This is a house that probably has been in my family in Canada since the mid-1800s, maybe even 1700s. Who knows? Hmm. But the government of Canada, for some reason, is entitled to half. That's why I am um, for nuking Canada. <laughs> We're never going there. We're never going there, especially while that smug bastard is up there as the um, premier. What is it? What do they call minister. prime minister? Jesus God! I don't. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. Here we go. <gasps> I do like Trump took a moment out, like eleven seconds, just to like punch Fauci in the head. First,
3: Fauci said. <laughs> You don't need masks. No masks. No good. No, no. Then all of a sudden you want him and Now he wants double masks.
5: And of course, he had to go where he, he where the results would be that the media could hyperventilate again.
3: This alone should be reason enough for Democrats to suffer withering losses in the midterms and to lose the White House decisively four years from now. Wait for it. Actually, as you know, they just lost the White House, but it's one of those things. There you go. But who knows? Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time. Okay. for a third time. Capital
5: riots or no, he is staying on message.
3: Maybe
5: it wasn't, uh, maybe I didn't need to have 46 seconds of applause in that. <laughs> uh, you just got to remind myself. But Trump made some good points, points that he should always hit, always hit. and mm-hmm. Anytime you can go after me- that media is a good, good decision.
3: Border security is just one of the many issues on which the new administration has already betrayed the American people. He didn't talk about this stuff. I debated him. He wasn't talking about this. He wasn't what he signed with those executive orders. They weren't things that were discussed. We didn't know all about Him and the press, because they're fake news, they're the biggest fakers there are. But the press refused to ask the questions. And when I asked the questions on television, on the debate, Chris Wallace in this case and others refused to let him answer. (laughs) They refused to let him answer the questions. Maybe we could have found something or if the media did its job, which they don't. Their callous indifference to working families is equally clear when it comes to the critical matter of getting America's children back to school.
5: They love it. You know, obviously, this is a Stephen Miller speech. Problems, mm-hmm. probably. It, when part of the speech, as he goes through it, he gets interested in... You know, I don't know if he's read this one before, but he's like, oh, here we go, back to schools. Yes, yes.
3: And they must get back and get back Right now. Right now. Crazy.
5: Now that is precisely where he and every Democrat right now, if you're, I'm sorry, a Republican right now, if you're a Republican or an independent and you're thinking of running for office, Mm -hmm. this is where you should be right now. Right. The Democrats sold out your kids. The Democrats sold out your kids. We have. We cannot be. We cannot p- pledge our fealty to unions when uh, our kids' lives are at stake. Here, right. that needs to be the one issue you run on, starting right now. Before you pull papers, as my li- wife loves to say, before you pull papers, <laughs> <laughs> she does because she's into local politics. Um,
6: local politics. is great. that everybody should be into local politics. It's
5: all about. I agree. It's all about these schools. That's it. And kids. And schools and kids. And schools and kids. And we've mm-hmm. seen now what's going on here. Huge payouts from Democrats to the unions. Mm-hmm. And your kids are getting screwed and are used as part of this extortion. And it's disgusting.
3: The Biden administration is actually bragging about the classroom education they are providing to migrant children on the border, while at the same time millions of American children are having their futures destroyed by Joe Biden's anti-science school closures. Think of it. We're educating students on the border, but our own people, the children of our citizens, citizens themselves, are not getting the education that they deserve. There's no reason whatsoever why the vast majority of young Americans should not be back in school immediately.
5: Amen. The only reason
3: that most parents do not have that choice is because Joe Biden sold out America's children to the teachers' unions. His position is morally inexcusable. You know that. Joe Biden has shamefully betrayed America's youth, and he is cruelly keeping our children locked in their homes, no reason for it whatsoever. They want to get out. They're cheating the next generations of Americans out of the future that they deserve, and they do deserve this future. They're going to grow up, and they're going to have a scar. It's a scandal of the highest order and one of the most craven acts by any president in our lifetimes. It's the teachers' union. It's the votes. And it shouldn't happen.
5: He is right on. In that Mm -hmm. line, they're going to have a scar. It's going to be interesting to see, to track... Where this generation of kids, what this year has done to them, what these were, I guess, really yeah. just two years have done to them.
6: Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting because, I mean, I think sometimes people forget how much the goalposts have moved, particularly on the schools issue. Um, and I know, I think I mentioned this on our last show, but our daughter said to me the other night as I was like doing bedtime and whatever, and she was like, I'm never going to believe them again. I'm never going to believe them again. They say they're going to go back to school. I'm never going to believe it because they said two weeks and then they said another two weeks and then they said the end of the year. I thought I said this was just
5: one of those lies on Twitter. No, no,
6: this is not. This is not. She said, I'm never going to believe them. How come they said it was two weeks and they just lied and lied and lied and they said it was going to be this two weeks. And at first I was so excited because it was vacation and it was so fun and no, it's just never going to stop. They're just going to keep lying forever. And, you know, it was like one of those things where she was getting kind of hysterical about it, being mm-hmm. like, they just lie and lie and lie and I can't, and they're never going to go back. And, you know, it's, it, it is sad. But in a way, it, like, gives me hope for young people not trusting the stupid government because it's so clearly they've shifted completely what they said they were going to do. I remember last year, like, when people were doing birthday parades for kids whose birthdays were canceled because of COVID and everything. And people were like, oh, the kids in the fall are going to be jealous that they don't get a birthday parade. Right. Mm. Yeah, no, it turns out everybody's not having birthday parties for the foreseeable future. Everybody's not having school. You know, it's funny, Alice, it's
5: been so long that like the birthday praise actually might be over. Yeah, I think we're
6: done with that because this is just like it's nothing exciting anymore. I mean, to his credit, Governor Baker is now doing a push to get at least elementary schools back open. He wants so what he's the way he's doing it is he's. It's up to districts to make the decision, but the state has a requirement that you have to offer in-person school normally. So the state has waived that requirement for the last year or so and allowed them to do remote learning as school. But he's going to have the state um, Department of whatever Elementary and Secondary Education – take that back so there's not going to be any more remote learning won't count for the district to fulfill their requirements anymore so they're going to have to go back not even hybrid he wants all the elementary kids back in school five days a week by april so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this yes um i'm you know he's tried with to push against the teachers unions in massachusetts before he tried to lift the charter cap uh several years ago and that was incredibly unsuccessful he got slammed uh that was that didn't go. So um, but but it's going to be interesting to see if he can somehow push this forward. The other thing that's going to be interesting to see is that this is going to impact funding quite a bit. Um, you know, schools get funding from the state on the basis of how many students they have enrolled as of October the previous year. So a lot of people, particularly like parents of younger kids, like if you were going to start your kid in kindergarten this year and if they're younger anyway, a lot of parents just didn't send them and now they're wanting to send them The following year, Mm -hmm. you know, when things open a little bit more normally or as we did, they pull out to homeschool or they pull out to go to a private school or a Catholic school or whatever. And um, so all these kids weren't in school last October when they're going to calculate the funding from. But they're all going to come back next year. And especially in the case of like the incoming kindergarten class is going to be large because there are parents that decided to wait a year to send their kids to kindergarten because of what was going on. And so. Um, these schools are now worried about the funding. So um, there, there are lawmakers now planning to introduce a bill in Massachusetts to um, count it back to the previous year to give them their funding because, you know, if we count it Based on this past year, like we normally would, they're going to not have enough money compared to usual. Mm. They'll have plenty of money. I'm not worried about them. They always have plenty of money. But they're going to compare, for the number of students that they have, the per pupil spend is going to be much lower that year next year if they do what they normally would do by law. So that's going to be interesting to see, too, how the funding thing shakes down. I mean, I think certainly, I, I don't know if we'll go back to school next year. Mm. There will have to not be masks required for me to send my kids back. I'm not going to make them wear a mask seven hours a day. So it's really going to depend what's going on with a lot of stuff. Well, you
5: know, we'll see how that happens. It matters. If the union wants to shake down again, it mm-hmm. wants another shakedown, then masks will be required. And I yeah. assume there will be. But I think also, but the Biden administration as well, they want to celebrate victory over COVID day. So they want to mm-hmm. show that maskless-ism... Mm-hmm. is a result of Joe Biden and the new administration and building back better. Right. You know, so so we'll see how that works out. Trump hits another topic that I think really this is going to be the flashpoint.
3: Joe Biden and the Democrats are even pushing policies that would destroy women's sports. A lot of new records are being broken in women's sports. Hate to say that, ladies, but... Got a lot of new records. They're being shattered. You know, for years, the weightlifting, every ounce is like a big deal for many years. All of a sudden, somebody comes along and beats it by a hundred pounds, boom, boom. (laughs) Now, young girls and women are incensed that they are now being forced to compete against those who are biological males. It's not good for women. It's not good for women's sports, which worked so long and so hard to get to where they are. The records that stood for years, even decades, are now being smashed with ease. Smashed. If this is not changed, women's sports, as we know it, will die. They'll end. It'll end. What coach, if I'm a coach, you know, I want to be a great coach. What coach, as an example, wants to recruit a young woman to compete if her record can easily be broken by somebody who was born a man? Not too many of those coaches around, right? If they are around. They won't be around long because they're going to have a big problem when their record. If
5: Trump is still president right now. The headline in CNN would, would be: Trump says, "What coach wants to recruit a woman?" <laughs> in all other context, in this point of what he was saying, it would be out of it. But this is important. This is important mm-hmm. because this is a, a a a demarcation line that conservatives will not um, will not cede. They will not back down.
6: Right. This is, I mean, this is, again, like, the Rod Rehr law of merited impossibility. When all this stuff initially was, you know, being becoming a thing, these are, like, the types of scenarios that people were like, if you do, if you, like have this if you have these anti-discrimination laws then this will happen and people said no 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 no. that's never going to happen and when it does you bigots will deserve it that's the Rod law of merited impossibility because they always say it's never going to happen you're being ridiculous you're outrageous there's no such thing as a slippery slope that's crazy and then they immediately turn around and push to do that thing
3: it is we're 0 and 16 but we're getting better No, I think it's crazy. I think it's just crazy what's happening. We must protect the integrity of women's sports. So important. After.
5: the time I could have cut the applause. We get it. Okay. We're cutting the... We're we're, uh, protecting women's sports. Now, um... We've got more Trump stuff. We'll just do some of it tomorrow. Um, I do want to get. There is somebody, Andrew Cuomo. A second accuser has come forward. Yes, with I, Andrew I, Cuomo. I mm-hmm. And of course, uh, it's guy. Of course, uh, the administration is is going to be asked about this stuff, and so guess who makes an appearance. On CNN,
1: for the way she likes to use one pet expression, circle back, Jen Saki, circle back. That's your way of saying to the media. If a fact's in doubt, you'll go find things out and give more details when you circle back. You're You're no no hack, hack. Jen Saki, you're You're no no hack.
5: hack. All right, the great Jen Saki appears on CNN with Dana Bash to talk about the Cuomo thing. I mean, this is very Mm -hmm. important stuff. This is another accuser. So Mm -hmm. I assume that we're going to be believing this accuser.
1: Uh, The New York Times is reporting last night that a second allegation of sexual harassment against New York uh, Governor Chris Cuomo. This is a report from a former aide, Charlotte Bennett, saying that Cuomo asked her alone in his office last spring about her sex life. Uh, including whether she ever had sex with older men. She has other allegations as well. Um, Governor Cuomo says he never made advances toward Miss Bennett. But does President Biden believe Governor Cuomo or Charlotte Bennett?
0: Well, first, President Biden has been consistent that he believes that Every woman should be heard, should be treated with respect and with dignity. Charlotte should be treated with respect and dignity. So should Lindsay. And there should be an independent uh, review looking into these allegations. And that's certainly something he supports and we believe should move forward as quickly as possible.
1: Governor Andrew
0: Cuomo,
5: uh,
1: I should say, obviously.
5: Not Chris Cuomo, who's your colleague. <laughs> yeah, you know, That might be another situation. How beautiful, by the way. How beautiful is that? Who does he believe? No... You know, circle back is not going to answer that question. Right. My goodness, where's their forthrightness? I mean, where's Lindsay the-
6: Boylan has emails too, right.
5: and like, you, right? You're not even believing all women. You're not right. even going to believe it's that. I mean, this isn't like the Cuomo's the teachers union. I understand right. he's an ally, but
1: come on. Uh, President Biden told reporters in 2018, "quote For a woman to come forward." in the glaring lights of focus nationally, you've got to start off with the presumption that at least the essence of what she is talking about is real. So does President Biden still believe what candidate Biden said, that the essence of these allegations are real?
0: Of course, Dana, he believes, that's why I said, he believes that every woman who comes forward should be treated with dignity and respect. They should be uh, able to tell their story. There should be an independent review of these allegations, they're serious. Uh, it was hard to read that story as a woman, and that process should move forward as quickly as possible. And that's something we all support and the president supports.
5: I guarantee you that was a coordinated follow up. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you if Cuomo, if you believe Cuomo or the woman, I'm not going to answer that. Okay. I'm going to ask you if the essence seems real. Okay, I'll answer that. That leaves enough wiggle room. How cynical, cowardice, hypocritical, everything. You wanted flim flam hackery, you got a hack president and a hack flack. And she may circle back, but she is still a hack. Yeah. And in the
6: meantime, CNN absolutely believed every single person that Michael Avenatti brought them who was, you know, who there was never any proof they had ever met Kavanaugh in their lives. And they turned Michael Avenatti into a star because they believed all women so much. But no, not so much. No, that's
5: not. Up. All right, I want to tell you something else. Mm-hmm. I love you.
6: Yes, I love you too.
5: And I think you're a really nice person.
6: Are you about to say something mean
5: to me? No, why would I say something mean That's to a you? a lot of you're times
6: going, you're like, I love you,
5: but... Is this but... bo- <laughs> the <a> Tom Dumpster <laughs> episode? Where would I go? <laughs> um, okay. So, um, so now I, I need you to... Do you have on that? thing that computer that you have you can control which shot is on video right yes i can and we are now recording
6: we are now recording yes
5: i need you to put it on you okay okay is it on you
6: almost how do you do that i have to turn off the scene switcher
5: ooh power down the <laughs> scene switcher
6: <laughs> okay the camera is on me
5: okay you look lovely today by the way <laughs> thank new you new looking honey. again <laughs> thank you um i have a piece of audio here i want to play for you okay. Alice, and i need you to just I want your reaction, and I also want to get, because you weren't here for the first few minutes, Right. I also want to, uh, (laughs) I want your best depiction of what is happening here, okay? No, I'm not
6: promising that. Let me tell you something.
5: (laughs) This just occurred to me a few minutes ago that this needs to happen. Okay, here we go.
6: I'm already uncomfortable.
5: <laughs> I'm going to play some audio. You tell me what's happening.
6: Okay, Andrew Cuomo.
5: <laughs> actually, it is. Actually, it is probably not okay. In I am the-
6: reporting this to <laughs> Burn Barrel HR.
5: Here, Alice, ready? Here we go.
4: You have to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like. It's not just when you come, like, it's it's how hard you come. Are uh, you coming when the dribble is dead? Are you coming when he gets into a shooting motion? <laughs> is this a basketball game?
5: <laughs> no, Alice. These happen to be two people in the middle of a romantic interlude. No. Why would you ask this that? This
4: is a basketball game. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that is Doris Burks. This is the Bucks Clippers game. Alice.
4: You have to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like, it's not just when you come. Like, it's it's how hard you come. Are uh, you coming when the dribble is dead? Are you coming when he gets into a shooting motion? It, that has to be intentional,
5: right? I don't think so. How can I would, it not be intentional? You know, there's probably, if she's doing play-by-play, there's probably the color guy who's going to do the analysis... Next to her, if that were me, I would have the stapler pushing staples into my wrist to so that I could stifle my actual, you know, emotion at what she's saying. As a, and he's coming behind him now. It it just gets worse and worse. I have no way. i it's like I and you know what the thing is? Oh, oh, I uh, the thing is. By the way, I'll be on WTSC tomorrow. I don't know if I can play that in the air on actual radio. Uh, Mm, Yeah, I don't know either. But it's, this is the dirtiest, filthiest, bluest, vice-squattiest audio I have ever played that is not dirty. It is remarkable. It's like one of those uh, parody songs where it's all the innuendos.
4: You have to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like, it's not just when you come. Like, it's it's how hard you come. Are uh, you coming when the dribble is dead? Are you coming when he gets into a shooting motion?
5: Jesus! <laughs> Every piece of that is filthy. Now, listen. But that's
6: why I feel like it has to be it, intentional. No, it's
5: not. Doris Burke is some a real person. I don't know. Circle back. Circle back, Doris. I don't Doris know. Burke is about to be a lot more famous than she ever thought. Doris Burke is an American sports announcer and analyst for NBA on ESPN NBA ABC. Yeah. Uh she's 55 years old. She's married to Greg Burke. She has kids.
6: <laughs> Maybe it's not intentional. She has
5: kids, Matthew Burke and Sarah Burke. She went to Providence College and Manasquin High School. It's not on purpose. She that I guess it's not, but
6: I it's hard to imagine how else all those words could get put together in that particular
5: order. Oh, you know, before we go, there is actually there is actually just one other thing. I do. You mm-hmm. can now put it back on the flipper. The I switcher. did. Uh, there's one other thing I just want to play. This is Scott Gottlieb. He mm-hmm. was on um, the thing with Dana. No, he was on Face the Nation, I think. Uh, and I just want you to listen to this. He was a former FDA mm-hmm. guy. He's a guru for everybody. The people like him. They like Fauci more, but they like him because he's a big nerd about the stuff. Listen to this little brief bit of audio and tell me if anything if it seems curious to you. If you look at post-July 1st, and the reason why I picked July
1: 1st is because July before July 1st, we really didn't know how to treat COVID. We were treating it literally with pepsin and hydroxychloroquine. But after July 1st, we had the data from the UK study, the recovery trial that told us that dexamethasone, the steroid, was very effective at cutting mortality. We started to uh, use blood thinners on patients. We were intubating less aggressively. So practice of medicine dramatically improved after around that time period. Did you hear that drug he
5: mentioned?
6: Hydroxychloroquine? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. They were using it before July 1. Mm
5: Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the fraud sham campaign there was to tell us that that was incredibly absurd thinking? Dangerous, absurd thing That that was not Mm -hmm. true. That was not a thing.
6: Yeah.
5: Holy God. Man, you got to... Trust nobody. It used to be, you know, cut the cards, but what was it? Cut the cards, but wait.
6: I don't
5: know. No, it, the Reagan used to say, uh, trust your enemy, but cut trust the cards. verify, that's or, all I You know. know, like trust your enemy, but, but cut the cards or something. Uh, I don't know that. You can't, you can't even do that now. Mm-hmm. It is complete and total persuasion propaganda now
6: you know everything they say is suspect from
5: yes from the start it all it just couldn't be and they said for a fact that trump killed the guy with fish whatever
6: yeah oh yeah and trump said to inject bleach <sighs> right which is made up all and trump blatant
5: bull bleep
6: and trump said white nationalists were fine people that's also just made up it's just like they tell these total lies and then they turn into a thing you know, and then and then they wonder why people don't care that you know trump Trump isn't entirely truthful about everything all the time and sometimes exaggerates and makes stuff up or whatever, and tells things to his own to his own horn, you know, like there's who cares because they like constantly, so there's no people just don't really care. Like they know that they can't really trust everything that Trump says is gospel, but they also know that they can't trust anything that CNN says at all. So they don't, it doesn't bother people anymore because they're so inured to it. They just don't buy anything that anyone tells them.
5: There's a great piece of, um, there's a great piece of audio that I I meant to get. I just been too busy of Matt Taibbi was on with the guys from Mm -hmm. the fifth column and just talked about how until the sixties, essentially in seventies, that the that the the journalism was kind of a trade. Mm-hmm. It was a trade job. It was a blue collar job that you would do, right? And it would be something that you could easily, you know, it's it's not really a desk job, really. Being a reporter, mm-hmm. um, and and it became a, it was not a college job, really. Mm-hmm. And after Woodward and Bernstein, et cetera, then all the Columbia kids and all the you know, Ivy Leaguers wanted to be journalists. And and obviously their circles where they run are always going to be liberal. These are liberal mm-hmm. elites and coasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't even – some of them don't even think they're liberals. They just think they're like everybody else they know. Mm-hmm. And so it was perfectly appropriate to to be an activist against Trump. Because everybody mm-hmm. they knew, knew that this was not a uh, administration that was legitimate. And th- everybody they knew, knew that this was, was a madman there. And they have to do whatever they can. These are emergency situations. Whatever they can to destroy him and get right. him out of office. And that's what they did. This was simply mm-hmm. a four-year, you can call it a soft coup, or a four-year impeachment, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And that's why. That's why. Now we can start to see... If you look, and I mean, I I wasn't starting to see. I was noticing a lot of the stuff real time just because of my job. But the damage that was done was remarkable and and awful. And we're going to be feeling that as well. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I do think that, that they have stepped in a rake here because people are still paying attention somewhat. And I hope they are, but it's just that kind of thing. Right, you know, hydrochloric wind or whatever.
6: Well, yeah, I mean, you live in it. You know, people always say the bubble, right? Of you know, you you're in a bubble of people who all think one way, and it's really true. And it's really, um it's not just the college thing, but it's also how our education system is now that we don't want to expose kids to any different ideas. There is one line, and that's what we expose. And I think personally, that that's a big motivation behind, like, the banning of books and everything, too, is you don't want to expose children to people who think differently from them, you know, because, you know, it turns out that that these sort of social conventions of your particular place and time and your class and your region of the country and all these sort of things that we think of as just being normal like you say everybody knows that trump is evil and everybody knows that you just put a black lives matter sign in your yard and everybody knows that we believe science and love is love and all the things on the sign that we all say together because that's our people need to understand that that is a culture and a religion that's as distinct as any throughout all of human history. That isn't just normal, just decent, just how people are. But if you only expose kids to works of literature and newspapers and everything else that espouses those ideas, if everyone on the TV news espouses those ideas and everyone in the town that your kids grow up in espouses those ideas and believes that they're just normalcy that's just reality that's just how people are then they never realize that that their particular ideas are you know are particular to them and and aren't necessarily universal to all of humanity throughout human history and that that's a problem because um, I don't know I read this great thing somebody said one time who was a professor and they asked their classroom like, if you had lived in the time of slavery, would you have been an abolitionist? Hmm. Right. And all the kids are like, of course, yeah, I would have been an abolitionist. Definitely like 100 percent of the kids. And then he asks them, well, so since that's true, you would have been an abolitionist. You must be somebody who's not afraid to stand up for something that you think is true and right. Even when everybody around you thinks the opposite, even when it could cost you your job, Mm -hmm. it could cost you your social standing. What idea do any of you believe in and hold to be true and are willing to like lose your social status over it? You know, what do you believe that's different? Because chances are that we're not like that, you know, blue check liberal elites and people who went to Columbia and live in suburbs of New York and Boston are not. Uh, the most perfect people in the history of the world who just happen to have come across the exact perfect morality of all of humankind right right so there are probably things a hundred years from now that people will look back on and think were immoral or wrong that those people all did so you know if that's true then then that then you know Those people are wrong about some stuff and it's impossible to challenge them because they have no idea that there's any other ideas out there that history might not hold exactly their same views and exactly their same perspective.
5: Yeah, so this is generational because even as old as – even just listening and Mm -hmm. reading reporters who are my age in 48 still come from a a time Mm -hmm. when you could still – if you want to be like a Matt Taibbi, if you want to be like some of these other guys, you could still be a reporter with opinions, but you might go out there mm-hmm. and follow the story wherever it leads. Right. So, for instance, if if you're following Trump-Russia dossier, you don't follow it to where you want it to go. You follow it to where it leads. And if you followed it to where it led, then you would have to follow it to, oh, there's nothing here. But instead of following it to where it leads, you stop at the allegations once the substance starts to disprove your hope in theory of the, you know, mm-hmm. of of what the what the facts are. And that's distorting the reporting. Right. So you just bail out when it starts to flake off in a way that you don't want to, and you just forget it and, and stop there. If you followed it to where it actually leads and you'd have a really interesting story of how Hillary Clinton paid Mm -hmm. a law firm to go out and pay Russians to find some dirt on Trump, that would be an interesting story. Right. But the reporting is not as important as the activism anymore. And the lust for the truth in a great story Mm – is not as powerful as the lust simply for the outcome you want based on your own ideology. Right. In other words, the activism.
6: Right. And like you say, they don't think they have an ideology. They don't. They're incapable of understanding that they're actually all priests in the high church of their own religion, which absolutely is an ideology and holds all kinds of existential beliefs that you may or may not, that... A, a perfectly normal person might or might not actually agree with. But, but they don't understand, you know, they think of like the Middle Ages and, you know, the church controlling everything and controlling a narrative or whatever in Europe and, you know, controlling what science people were allowed to talk about or allowed to know, for example. And and they think like, wow, that's terrible. They don't see that that's what they are. They have an ideology that they're holding up to be more important than truth and following things wherever it leads and they absolutely are you know they're so deep in that ideology that they can't even see it anymore they don't even know that it's there it's like a fish doesn't know the water is around it you know
5: i hear that a lot these days
1: where's this guy joe biden is his own man
5: what happened to daniel dale i worry about him i don't think that he can make a living doing too much other than uh, you know being kind of a a um uh, Wafy milk toast, uh, little uh, snivel. I worry oh, about that's him. not very nice.
6: Uh, well, if we find out what happened to Daniel Dale, Tom will tweet about it for you. Uh, we are on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. You can find us Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can check out our YouTube channel. That's uh, Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel on YouTube, where you can subscribe to the channel. You can see video versions of the podcast. You can comment on them, like the videos, but subscribe wherever you like to listen.
0: That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes
4: without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
5: For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit botoxcosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
4: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name.